Good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Beyond the Backstage Pass. I'm your host, Vince Edwards. You may know me from Sound Image Productions and a couple of closed Facebook groups for roadies called Death by Loadout and the Backstage Pass. You should come over and check us out over there. It's kind of fun. We get up to some shit. Uh, tonight, I got next to me my good, good friend and co-host, Kyle Thomas. How you doing, Vinny? Oh, Daddy, you know it's, it's been a little crazy around here, Kyle. It sure has. You looking good? You got your hair slicked back? You look sharp. Yeah, different than normal, exactly. I just, you know, I just came and I you said, said it. it's going to be different. I'm going to do this a whole different way. You've been changing a whole bunch of stuff. You've been eating salads. Well, that's a whole nother story. Oh, my goodness. There's been some green guy's been eating better. That has been forced into my life for the betterment of my old ageness. It's good for you. Yeah, it is. My stomach's struggling with it. Hey, how nice was it with uh, Lauren Monroe coming by? Lauren Monroe is such a talent, such a treat, uh, and just a lovely human being. Yeah, I mean, really, the energy she brings in that, and, and you know, I'm not comfortable with words like energy, and, and, and but 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 really, there's a positive, sweet thing that happens when she rolls in with her. And of course, well, tell so, her, so well intentioned. Tell the people who that is. Well, yeah, so uh, she's teamed up with Rick Allen, her husband, to write music for several years now and has developed basically, uh, I think, five different foundations, four? I think it is four of them. Sweet Relief, Raven Drum Foundation, Project Resiliency, and the big one is a Big Love concert event, the benefit. The project? Big Love Project? Big Love Project. And, of course, she has a Facebook group called the Big Love Army or Big Love Army. You should check it out. It's a place with really good, positive stuff going on. And uh, it, and I've joined it, and, and, and it's a great place to be. Yeah, and it's great seeing the merriment of uh, Loving Hands for Stage Hands and Bob and the and uh, John and everybody coming together. George really, like, honed everybody in. So the two connecting pieces of kind of solving suicide prevention in our industry well, on top of... speaking to it, at least, you know, speaking to it, offering some resources and a place to go. Well, I say solving talk. it only just because the conversation is most of it, right? Yeah, I think uh, so. You know, that I masculine so. energy that forms uh, into yeah. some cases. Well, we don't have to speak too much about it, but I'm sure a lot of people are aware of it. It's like, it's a way to not talk about these things. Maybe it's easier, but it's not true. It, we need a place to, to be able to communicate and know that it's going to stay there, you know? Yes, they are. In both instances, they are private groups that um, allow you to PM each other if you need. And there's, and you're right, the marriage of, for them to come together in a beneficial way, kind of join forces in this larger message is, uh, it's important. You know, there's some people out there struggling and it's a tough, wacky time. And, you know, we, we should all be working our heads off and, uh, and, there's other things, finances and stuff that come into the play with all this. And some folks are, are struggling and, and and that's easy to understand that that would it's be It's nice to shine light on it. Yes. And you know, and just being so involved in us working and developing the sound set as much as, as we have, you've been here this whole time. That's right. Is like so integral to busting our butt all day and then, okay, cool, let's sit down and have a circle and, and burn some sage and think about this and, and really contribute our energy to each other in a positive way. The first place, and I'm going to just be honest here. So then we had a sage circle tonight. With, it, was, it was a heavy hit up of gnarly badasses of the game in the house tonight, just not an hour ago. And we had, um, we had Greg Price of Ozzy Osbourne and 
Brad Maddox of everybody, Rush mainly, 20 plus years with Rush. And all these, uh, John Del Rio, like you mentioned, from Loving Hands. And, and Scotty Ross. And Scotty Ross from Van Halen. And all these guys, all in here in a circle. And we're talking about consummating this deal with this big uh, love project that we're going to do right out of this very space was get a bunch of rock stars. And we had Rick Allen over there from Def Leppard and all of our good friends, our guests tonight. And, and Bernie Broderick, the legendary speaker designer, the loudspeaker designer, all these wonderful human beings, yourself, myself, my brother, um, and, and others, Bob Powers, you know, one of the best riggers and the touring riggers on the planet. And um, just bring all these kind of formidable people together to, to go after this subject to, is gonna be, I think, something substantial and real. And um, we'll let you know more about it as it comes up because we're working out details and getting commitments from artists and so on. But so far, I'll tell you this, so far looking really good. Um, the dates, we've got some dates set in place. We did some stuff in here today with drum kits and you know set up a stage. So this, as we do here, we tear this stage down, we throw in another one and you know, drum risers and all kinds of good it stuff. It was looking sharp. I can't yeah, wait to yeah. see it. Yeah, and our LDs came in and did their magic and, <laughs> and so on and so forth. So it was a very, very productive day, very productive week. We've really been going all week. And sure, uh, yeah. it's always nice when you're doing it for something you believe in and something that can help others. And so not to be too mushy because I don't roll in those circles. But, oh, as well said. Yeah, but fucking A, real cool, good stuff. I want to do a quick shout out to, um, to Pat O'Doul. Pat, you're a badass. Pat is the preferred of the cool ass cards. Thank you, Pat. And then a person that I fucking love, Mr. Charlie Zerichi. Hello, my brother. Glad hey, you're with us tonight. We got Chris K. And and our good, good fucking friend from Switzerland, Patrick Ingerman. I always fuck that up, but he knows he, that I love him. But yeah, so we got some class acts on, on the other end of the, uh, the hose there tonight. And we appreciate you being here. Listen, as you know, and I say this almost every show because I'm a lucky motherfucker that gets to do this. I got to watch the cussing. Oh, by the way, my, my staff keeps finding new ways to needle me. Here's, here's the newest. I found this on my desk. I got to quit smoking, man. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> they recorded it on I got to quit smoking message using my own voice. <laughs> from, <laughs> I don't know how you guys got that. You told me the story, but you clever son of the bitches. Um, but, you know, you're right. And <laughs> I'm not going to, but they're right. <laughs> you just need that little voice. Every time I come over here, I'm going to hit the button. I got to quit smoking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure that's not happening anytime soon. But <laughs> as I enjoy this camel wide. <clears throat> By the way, hang on. The guest is trying to jump out. You, you sit over there, Winston. Be a good boy. Um, uh, and I want, you to, I want to throw some light on a, a really great page real quick, and then we're going to go to our guest. EAW Users Group, the people over at uh, EAW, I love these people. They're the people that made that system behind me, which I love. That's Tom Petty's rig, and we've used it for many other things. But, but uh, the most amazing technology in the game, one of the best loudspeaker companies in the world. I want to thank James Newhouse, Jim Newhouse, uh, CEO there, uh, for their support with us, and we support them. Check them out. they got a great page on Facebook called EAW's User Group. Um, like I was saying, we're very lucky that we get to hang out with some guys. You know, it helps being around for a while that have done some amazing shit. This show is no exception. I, I would reckon, I would put this in the level of the, the Greg Price show where I had to read from Liz. You got, you got us a, a nugget. <laughs> you got us full-on yeah, nugget. Yeah, yeah, like I was going to do it, but his list is seven pages long. And so I thought that might be excessive. But it's, it's everybody to everybody. Just imagine the in-between. Uh, what you can do in 30 
plus years of being in the rock game hard and fast. Um, we've got a guy who is a, a badass, anything really. Uh, if you need the best A1, you need a great A2, you, you want the ultimate systems tech. The guy never stops. He's worked with some of the greatest rock bands, everybody from Snoop Dogg to Sticks, it doesn't matter. And we love him. He's, he's here weekly with us, training and doing S6L stuff. And we were lucky enough to get him in here tonight. He is the one and only Winston Dan. Dama, hello, ah. my good friend. How are you? You gotta stop hey, calling him that. Kyle? Uh, okay, so we have a thing in the shop. What he's talking about is, we've been, I've been calling him Winston Dame for like ever. Years. <laughs> that's, just, that's the way his name's spelled. And I'm not that bright. But it turns out it's Dama and I. So you have my official apology for consecutive many years of me calling you the wrong thing. Uh, I'm used to it. Yeah. <laughs> How have you been doing, big brother? Good. Yeah. 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 It's been uh, been an interesting life uh, this last few months. Well, we let's let's talk about it. I, I'm talking about handling the corona. You just keeping to yourself and because I know you've had some some interesting breaks recently. Yeah. And we'll get into that. How you handling the corona? What's that about? Well. Um, you got any secrets? Well, yeah. Actually, uh, I've got it a little better than than some people. Um, in that, you know, I live like on the side of a mountain in the Sierra National Forest, so. To isolate is pretty easy, actually, um, up there. It's not like, you know, being stuck in town. Yeah. You know, and I can get out, you know, and so I don't have to worry about masking up or anything because there's nobody around up there, really. Sure. So, um, so that's good, you know, of course, coming down into civilization, you know. Kind of, kind of change the rules. Yeah. Yeah, got to start thinking about the distancing and the masks and all that kind of stuff. So. How's your lovely wife, Janet? She's doing fine. She, yeah. She's probably watching the show, actually. Well, I'm sure she is. Hi, Jen. Yeah. Yeah, you got to bring her down with you, and we always enjoy visiting mm -hmm. with her. I know you uh, recently, we had a very similar situation, except for yours was, in my mind, even even sketchier and lamer. We both got evacuated from our homes in the, in mm -hmm. the, in the hills, as it were. We lived in opposite sides of California, but right. not that different. And I know I could see from mine from our house, and it was about... Three and a half days asked us to leave. You got, you had the creek fire, which was a massive conflagration. It, How did that affect you? Um, well, it got really smoky. And then, of course, we could see uh, up, up on the ridge the actual flames and the glow from it. And it just took off. And we ended up getting evacuated uh, for, gosh, probably a little over a week and a half, actually. Yeah. Um, I was, I kind of snuck in once, you know, I've somehow got past all the checkpoints and got in there and was able to wet everything down again, uh, to try and help, you know, yeah. uh, things from catching fire, those ash and embers. Uh, I saw some of those embers. They, I mean, some of those were like, well, the biggest, like the the biggest size pieces of a were about pack. this big, actually. That's amazing. Yeah. Actually, it was like, you know, bark that had caught yeah. fire is landed, it was all charred, and then lots of pieces about yay big, like that. Amazing. Parts of branches, you know, falling out of the sky, and you're, all kinds of ash. It's amazing that that didn't go worse for you, that, that you're back yeah. in your home now. The Red Cross, I know, was there for you. Mm -hmm. When you were, when this is happening to you, we were speaking to it on the show because we were worried for you, you know? Yeah. And, and it, it, it's just such a weird thing, and it's such a strange part of being a Californian, you know? Yeah. Mudslides, fires, and earthquakes, baby. That's yeah. what we do. Right. But, good place to have a metal roof. Yes, yes. no doubt. Yes. That's a good point when you can have it and afford it. And it's a unique uh, way to go. But mm -hmm. I'm glad that all worked out for you. Yeah, uh, Red Cross was great. Um, it was funny that you know how it started out because we had to uh, evacuate over to Oakhurst to the Red Cross Center there, and then Oakhurst 
got put on evacuation alert. So they had to kind of like get everybody back out of the places they'd stashed everybody so that they could send them all to different cities. And Amazing. Um, yeah, so they ended up putting us up in a hotel in uh, Madeira. And some people ended up getting put in Mariposa and Fresno. Oh and, my goodness. Yeah. Wow, that's um, far but, from your house. Uh, pretty much, yeah. But they, uh, they made life actually pretty comfortable. Yeah, that's cool. They're yeah. good people. They were, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I know where I'm going to make my donation this year. I actually did over that because, yeah. yeah, and I knew other folks that were benefiting from their services, and it's a, yeah. a really great, and they do well on the, you know, how much goes to administration, how much goes to the cause. Yeah. And if you check those numbers, they do well. Um, I, I, you know what I want to do. I want to dig right into your history in rock and roll, but I also noticed about you early days mm -hmm. when you were a young man, not dissimilar to us, you you were you wanted to be a rock star and you took a pretty good shot at it. Talk to me about that. Well, um, early on, way early on, you know, I saw. Well, I grew up here in the Bay Area initially, you know, so I was exposed to the San Francisco music scene, you know, that whole thing uh, back in the '60s and whatnot, and uh, that was really inspiring to me, anyway. Sure. So I really wanted to. I wanted to do that. I wanted to play music, and you know, I, I mean. I, Actually, I wanted to be the best guitar player in the world. And then I found out it's a really big world. Well, you know, I, I saw some of the photos of you, some of your, uh, from magazine articles and stuff, and you looked like you were super down. Oh, <laughs> you I had was. the rock star thing. You had bang on. It was, it was, it was I was cool. a playaholic. I was practicing like every day. Yeah, you know? uh, well, that's how you get good, right? Uh, yeah, well, good for you. Uh, it, well, it turned into some, somehow or another you decided... I want to be on the on the soundboard side, on the the, the control service side. What 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 was the well, talk to us about the, the that transition? That wasn't actually a calculated decision. Actually, it was really more of PA's back in that day. Pretty much sucked. Okay? They they were rough. Yeah, they yes. were especially you know out in Central Valley, which is where it's where I was at that point in time. Sure. And so I was seeing all these local bands and even some of you know national acts getting slaughtered by these, you know, crappy local systems. Yeah. And so it was really, it came out of a desire to um, represent my band, um, which was Aurora at that point, and um, to, you know, make them sound better, you know, on par with what you would see, like if you go to say, at that time, say Winterland or, you know. Sure. Uh, you know, places like that. And, um, and so, Back then, you couldn't really buy a lot of stuff. It wasn't like it is now where you can buy a speaker system, an amp, and a mixing console. You had to make your own gear back in those That's days. Right. Yeah. You know, you'd pick a speaker, and then you'd design a cabinet around it. And so every sound company had its own version of a, of a speaker cabinet. But anyway, so that's how it came about. I started building stuff to, uh, for my band to basically play through. And then it kind of grew to the point where I couldn't park my car in my garage anymore because it was too much... <laughs> PA equipment, yeah. and then I had to kind of justify all the money I had spent on all that stuff, and That's I was right. kind of getting offers more for the PA than I was for the band, um, and so I kind of like just I kind of just slipped into it. And when I got to start mixing, I really found that uh, the art of mixing I really had a real passion for it. There was a real involvement yeah. that I experienced, just like playing. Uh, guitar has an, an emotional connection right you know and when when you're 
when everything's in the pocket. Oh man! You know, in what the mix, a sweet it's, it's that same yeah. that same power, that same magic. Well, and know? and I and I mentioned that before about your training. You're one of the guys that, uh, especially at our age, where you just don't you just keep on keeping on. Yeah. You're as up to date as anybody I know, and you and I think it's because of that love, trying to capture that those moments. And yeah. and let's dig into it. Now I'm going to drag you around in your career because it, again, it's the career is healthy. This, this is a big, fat, wonderful career. Um, so it's not going to be logical. <laughs> Someone has some fun <laughs> okay. with this. All right, tell us about the time you were on tour with Warren G, and he almost got you killed. Oh yeah. Okay, so that was the. <laughs> That's a fun question for me. <laughs> that was the Temple of Boom tour. Okay? Yes, yes, it and was. There was probably ten acts. You know, those kinds of tours. Everybody has like three hits. You know, and that's right. Yeah, you know, and then they move on. So, um, and I, gosh, I don't even remember who all was on there. On I think it was Ina J and Bone Thugs and Harmony and. God, I can't remember all the acts. But anyway, we were in uh, that particular day in Monterey uh, at some arena, theater thing, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And we were going through, you know, sound checks and, and everything. And we were getting calls periodically through the day from Warren G's people saying they're running late, but they're going to be there, you know. And yeah. so we just kept moving forward with it and got into the show and, you know, I was out in front of house uh, mixing most of the acts. Actually, I think there was only one other engineer there. And we went through all the acts. And then, uh, you know, basically I got a call from through the Clearcom to just keep playing music. You know, uh, like, okay, Stretch. do this. And then, um, and so it just, like, seemed like it was taking a long time because it's not like we had to reset a band. Right. You know, they're basically track acts. Track acts, no doubt. Yeah, so... Um, and so it kept going. Then I noticed, like, everybody on stage kind of disappearing. And then, um, you know, finally, one guy, the, the production manager, somebody comes out to the MC mic and goes, ladies and gentlemen, basically, you know, we're we uh, uh, sorry to say, but uh, Warren G uh, won't be able to make the show tonight. And um, turned around and literally ran out the back door. And uh, I was just like, what the hell? And it's like the next thing, the crowd just went ballistic. Yeah. They went nuts, kind of, you know, <clears throat> just the side of a riot. And um, they started storming the front of house riser because the only representative for the show at that point well, left is me. Was you. Yeah, That's everybody right. else on stage yeah. bailed. And they That's literally right. climbed up on the riser, ripping cables out of the mixing console and oh, the racks Jesus and stuff. Christ. And I had one of those uh, old Anvil briefcases. Oh, know? I remember them. Those the things, blue guy with the... Well, the mine was white, but it was, you know, oh, but still the same thing. They're heavy, yeah. indestructible. Oh, yeah, you clear a nice lane if you need to get out with <laughs> well, that son of a bitch. Do. Yeah. I was literally swinging this thing, knocking people off the riser and yelling at everybody. It's like, hey, hey, hey. You know, I was like, yeah. I'm here. Warren G is the guy that's not here, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they finally calmed down and... Early rap shows could, uh, you know, early day rap shows can yeah. be a little rough sometimes. No, um, so one of the companies I, I used to work for, uh, we finally uh, declined to accept any work doing rap shows because there was just way too much uh, violence. And the ratio between the people and the security is complete. I mean, security is outnumbered. You know, when that many people start acting up, um, they can't control them. Well, there's not a lot they can do. That's yeah. And we've seen that over the years. I mean, they, you oh, know, yeah. whole auditoriums, you know, destroyed, you know. Absolutely. You know, gear destroyed, lighting, mixing consoles, cameras, you yep. name it, yep. chairs. You know, that's, uh, well. Yeah, you almost got me killed. <laughs> it, and that's, frankly, sadly, not 
that uncommon of a story and some of those scenarios. Talk to me about working doing sound for 50 Cent then, because he's been known to have an interesting crowd. Yeah, um, that be was... A lot of fun. This artist can be pretty fun, though. Yeah, but, but it was actually, with 50 Cent was actually a good show. Um, yeah. I think that was a, an outdoor show at a fairgrounds, I believe, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. So that's always kind of... Good times, though. Cool, yeah. Um, he showed up, did his thing. Um, Good I, got to, I, I got to exercise the subs a little bit. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's another always good for that. Yeah, no, but it, but it, uh, it was fine, yeah. I know that you uh, you had uh, great luck and, you know, maybe a little bit tricky uh, time with the great, the one and only Chubby Checker. <laughs> <laughs> so, God, so you had to be of a certain age to understand what we're talking about right now. But right. Chubby Checker Sorry. was kind of a badass, and he had his way. Absolutely. And he, you know, I mean, he was responsible for the twist and all these things. Mm -hmm. Little known fact, though, could be a little tricky to work with. Yes. Yeah. Talk yes. to us about that. Well, uh, we were up in Napa, actually. Uh, actually, up the fairgrounds up there. And there was an old, uh, real, like, concrete kind of a slab stage surrounded by hay bales so it was very exposed oh and, boy and this show was uh actually televised there was a lot of uh, media there and going on i think as far as i know all the major networks and uh you know we set up the whole thing did started the show and everything i thought was going pretty good but chubby was not happy with the monitors and yeah. he had his own guy actually mixing monitors on that one and i was standing kind of Behind that, behind him, just off to the side, just kind of keeping an eye on things, just in case I need to, whatever, you know, fix something. Mm -hmm. um, Chubby finally like stops the show, and I'm pissed, and basically <laughs> looks at the monitor guy and said, "You're fired," you know, okay. And then like so, I'm looking, just going, "What the hell?" And then he points at me, and goes, "You mix monitors." Now he'd been seeing me all day doing my thing, sure, so I, sure. so I got it there, and you know. And, you know, thank God it was, you know, in the days of analog, so I didn't have sure. to try and, you know, and dig through this. Do somebody's show file. Or, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everything, uh, for those you know, don't know, analog, everything is, like, fully on display. There it is. There it is. You don't have to go through pages or nope. menus or nope. anything. It's yeah. all there. Yeah, yeah. Easy to get to. You know, reach over to the outboard, get it back on the button yeah. knobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we made made a few changes. I mean, now... now the cameras are rolling through this whole thing. You know, this is going out on national, you know, network wow. TV. Heavy. This whole, this whole thing. Chubby wanted it his way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So yeah. I made a few changes, and I just kept my eyes glued on him the rest of the show, just looking for any was he kind of. You know, up and yeah, I was just trying that. to, you know, learn his language on the fly yeah. there, and and uh, yeah, that's my chubby checker story. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Uh, early days for you, I know, uh, I never got to go to Winterland. I know the history of Winterland. It was a famous, famous, I think the, the Sex Pistols played their last show there. Dad used to play the place on the regular. Everybody played there. Everybody played Winterland. Yeah. San Francisco, kind of legendary venue. Can't forget Hendrix. Uh, Hendrix, I think, went yeah. to Winterland. It was who, one of my favorite venues to go to back in the day. Yeah, when you were a young man. I know you rolled up on it when they were pushing up the the, the original wall of sound, and mm -hmm. you got to experience uh, some of the... Yeah. Tell, talk to us about that. Uh, well, I'd heard about it, <clears throat> and I'd heard that the dead were going to do the sound check, which yeah. was the actually kind of unveiling of this system the tuning of it, and it was actually a three-day concert. Um, and so I, like, I've got to check this out. I, was, I wasn't I was a sound guy. I was kind of like a hi-fi nut, actually, at that point in sure. time, you know. 
And uh, well, and they were doing something kind of new. I mean, they were bringing it hard. Yeah, and that that was the emphasis. Actually, was hi-fi. Honestly, yeah. it was like a no-holds-barred approach to doing sound. No horn loaded anything because no. horns at that time had quite a bit of distortion and stuff. Sure. So and it, it's a. Uh, so I managed to get there early, and I don't remember how, but somehow I got in the building early, too, uh-huh. you know, before the, everybody else got in there. And so it was the dead sound crew, and these were some legendary guys. It was like That's Dan right. Healy, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, uh, Don Pearson. And, some you know. of the guys that first took a kind of scientific yeah. approach to some of these things. Yeah, well, they did, and, you know, and um, <clears throat> um, Owsley, uh, Stanley Owsley, uh, he, uh, or Owsley Stanley, there it is, um, he had been sort of given like an open ticket to exercise some of the concepts that he had as far as developing a sound system that was no compromise. Yeah. And so it was a really interesting thing because when you look at it, yeah, you see this immense wall of speakers behind the stage. And in Winterland on that particular show, it was literally almost from one wall all the way right. to the other and from the floor just shy of the ceiling. Insane. And But the thing that was interesting is that it's actually a combination of different technologies. And a lot of people think L Acoustics introduced the line array. Yeah. You know, this was actually predates all of that. If you look at what's going on, all those columns of speakers, each one of those columns represented a particular instrument, one of one of the like Jerry's guitar or Phil Lesh's bass or sure. or something like that, and so you actually have, and that's why the columns were different lengths, because the length of the column dictates, you know, the lowest frequency over which it has control over. So Phil Lesh's stack of 18s and 15s was immense. I mean, that thing went like almost to the ceiling, <laughs> where the guitar rigs were, you know, not quite as you know tall. Sure. And then in the middle was this huge curved and that was instead of line array that was actually virtual array technology so it was more of like a point source right kind of thing and um it was an amazing thing to look at and they the first time i'd encountered pink's uh pink noise uh one of the guys was wa- walking around with a uh, analyzer mic on the end of this tall pole and they were running pink noise through they're the pink system. in the room yeah exactly yeah. he was checking actually he was checking the different drivers from you know no shit. the whole thing yeah and um so I was I was kind of amazed just looking at this whole thing, and then you know eventually got into the show, and honestly, that is an amazing sounding system. Yeah. You know, it was really, really clean and clear. Uh, everything was just you know it was, it was a great hi-fi system. It just wasn't practical to move. Oh no, yeah, it was just, it was just so many nightmare. tons, and it was so. Uh, laborious to set up and transport yeah. and truck and it's everything. Real estate needs it, storage needs it. It's just uh, from a business point of view. I got what they were going for, and it's legendary. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it kind of pushed forward, you know, the idea of the science behind the uh, technology and the way that you deploy a system. Yeah. But uh, but somebody had to start, and the dead came out, and yeah. So yeah. It was a, that's a kind of fascinating thing. Yeah, it was cool. Hey, I know you learned an interesting lesson the hard way about how you internationally travel with gaff tape (laughs) (laughs) you terrorist fuck this is about uh, (laughs) a little over a year ago yeah talk Um, to us about it i'm front of house for the pointer sisters and uh we were uh on tour of with new zealand on new zealand and australia and it was with the jacksons and cool and the gang and sister sledge and the village people sounds of the supremes um so with you know six bands there's a lot of 
uh, equipment, but oh, a lot of just luggage. Sure. You know, with the pointers, we travel on average about with 22 pieces of luggage. You know, that makes sense with with everybody, and um, so in order to differentiate our gear and luggage from say the Jacksons and everybody else's, I was putting you know big old stripes of pink. You know what I mean? I'm talking bright pink. Yeah, sure. Gas Florida's tape pink, on yeah. all the bags absolutely. and cases. This is ours. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that we could, you know, deal with it because we had to go from airport to airport and, you know, hotel to, you know, all that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. And uh, so basically when I think it was, yeah, when we went from New Zealand over to Australia, going through the equivalent of TSA there, the uh, scanners picked up the role of pink gaff in my, my backpack, which I carry on the, the planes. And I got pulled aside, and this guy, this, this agent is holding this roll of tape, and I'm totally ignorant to what's going on here. I did not know the, that policy there. Yeah. So I'm he's pretty sure looking that's at the this policy stuff across like, airports for yeah. the, the, okay, go ahead, tell us right. Well, he's looking at this roll of tape. And to me, it's like he's, he's looking at it like he's never seen a roll of tape before, and he's pulling it out. You know, unraveling it. And he's I'm, trying to see how strong it is. Well, that's what I found out. Yeah. yeah. I was like, he's pulling on. It's like, so I, I, I said, hey, uh, basically, I said, hey, you just tear it from the side. I said, let me show you. And he, you know, yeah, like you do not grab reach across the thing nope. there. I'm just like, holy crap, man. I, yeah. I thought I was going to get thrown on the ground at that point. Yeah. And serious. so, again, I'm still oblivious as to what is the problem is here. And I said, dude, if you want the roll of tape, you can have it. It's really not that big a deal to me. I'll get another one. You're nicer than I am. So, so he kind of looks at me, and that's when he kind of figures I'm pretty much ignorant about, you know, what, what's going on there. Did he, he, did he give you the reason that, that that's not necessarily a good idea to roll up with tape in your baggage? Yeah, apparently a it's a terrorist weapon. <laughs> It's to detain. You can wrap people up with yeah, it. Yeah, you can restrain you, you can people restrain, with it. You know the the the, the flight attendants so I, and stuff. I had no idea. You yeah, know? I know you're an innocent, but it's just funny to me. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, but I'm kind of getting nervous because everybody else has already gone through, oh, yeah. and they're yeah. all waiting for the flight, and I'm detained back at the checkpoint. Yeah. You know. Dealing with this terrorist weapon in my backpack. I said you learned backpack. the lesson the hard way. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but at least I didn't get fined 400 bucks for carrying a banana into the airport, you know? Ooh, ooh. That's <laughs> yeah, you don't carry a, a banana into New Zealand. No, there's, there's, there's very good reasons for that. Yeah. For, you know, bringing in fungi and bugs and, and all kinds of eggs and things that could, you know, that their island doesn't have. It's a fucking island and yeah. it's pristine and don't fuck it up. Yeah. yeah. New Zealand's my favorite country, I think. That was beautiful. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Good people, beautiful. And it's got all the different terrains. And yeah, type of, no, it's I like New Zealand. Great politics. Great. It's just a good place. Uh, it's fascinating. I, because your list of uh, accomplishments and people you've worked for is so friggin' long, I had to wedge a couple things together. So I'm going, and you and you send it to me alphabetized, which I love that. That was awesome. <laughs> yes. It was, a, it was a starting an A, you know. <laughs> I thought he printed out four <laughs> copies. <laughs> I thought he honestly printed out four copies, and I kept on trying to peel it off in the no. meeting, and I was like, wait, this, this is a different page. <laughs> oh, this is a different page. Holy shit. It was, like, it was beyond the who's who of what's what. It was just everybody. <laughs> that was impressive. <laughs> but... But so I, I wedged a couple together, and they, they, there's no logical rhyme or reason how, why they should be that. Except for they began with J, Jerry Lee Lewis and Jethro Tull, two in your J series of mm. bands that you were right <laughs> that are fascinating acts. So how did you like working with Jerry Lee? Or did you find him in a good place? Because Jerry can be a super fun guy. Yeah, and he can also you know light his piano on fire and kick it off the stage. What, what, what did you have? 
Well, it was a unique scenario, and what's interesting about that, one of those shows, because I've worked with them a bunch of times, but yeah. the one that really stands out is I had actually uh, Jerry Lee, Chuck Berry, and uh, Little Richard all oh, on this, damn. all together. And you know, you've heard that rivalry, you know, between Chuck Berry and Jerry Lee, who's who's going to open and who's going to close the show. Chuck is Chuck is like pulled some shit on Jerry, oh, and yeah. Jerry has pulled some shit on Chuck. Yeah. Chuck, yes, I know absolutely. And Chuck is already Chuck. Chuck is a very serious man. He will not play if he does not paid first. I mean, there's he's got rules, and as a result, it's kept him from being fucked over by the game for 30 years. But he can be, yeah, wow. Yeah. And then Little Richard in the mix. Yeah. Oh, you got to tell us about that. Okay. Um, about Little Richard? The, or, whatever part uh, of that story, because well, I'm just imagining the three of them, you know, trying to share space and how that <laughs> must have been really Well, that, that rivalry still existed to that at that time, and this is in the late 90s at oh, this amazing. point. And, uh, yeah, there was, there was, you could, there was some discuss, discussion, maybe some dissension possibly about who's opening and who's closing the show again. Yeah. Um, and that was more between Chuck and Jerry. Little Richard... Actually, he really kind of just kind of laid low that day, you know. Some um, say he's the, the first rock and roller. Yeah. Little Richard is the, not the inventor, but the first rock person credited as a rock and roller by, uh, was it Alan Freed? I think it yeah. was Alan Freed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You coined the term for Little Richard is the rock and roll. He rocks and rolls. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Total badass. Yeah, no, it was a good job. What, what I was you know, intrigued with with regard to Chuck Berry, by the way, was uh, the fact that he doesn't tune his guitar before the show. I kid you not. He literally tunes on the fly. No, he takes the the guitar out of his case. Yeah. Puts it on, plugs in, and however that thing came out of the case is how he plays it. Wow. Yeah, I was floored. Wow. I was like, really? Well, I know he's big on not having staff. He keeps the money close and tends to work with the house band or you mm -hmm. know. And he's he's got a very specific way of working. He's a friggin' legend. He, I, I'm not even sure if Chuck's still with us. Uh, is he? I, I think he may still be with us. He's so I damn honorary. I don't think he could go without <laughs> until he's decided that it's time. Right. Um, but Jerry Lee still is. Yeah, Jerry Lee. I mean, he's doing another show here just, uh, coming up. Actually, not surprising in the least. Yeah, I just I just saw that today. Monster on the piano. Yeah. I mean, they're all three of them are. are we wouldn't have rock and roll as we know it without them doing what they did. Right. And so when I've had the op the, the the rare opportunities to work with these guys, you kind of just sit back and. and like, wow, man, how did I get this job? <laughs> right. <laughs> this is pretty cool. Now, you know, regardless of uh, what, how the the politics of the show or yeah. the, what's going on with that, you, you always got to be feel a little grateful to see the, the incarnation and, you know, them still doing it. That's also a little inspiring. Yeah. Now, Little Richard, uh, I've had the opportunity to work uh, both sides of the console as monitor, engineer, and front of house. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got to tell you the monitor engineer story. So I don't know if you're aware of it, but Little Richard has two bass players, two guitar players, two drummers, um, horn section, uh, backup singers, and uh, it's it brings it. Yeah, he does. That's a tough monitor job. It is, and yeah. but the thing that's tough about it is that they don't really work as a team very well, <laughs> <laughs> and so each one of them comes to you individually, and uh, literally, I was I was told. Forget those other guys. It's all about me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so it's like I got one bass player telling me this. I got the other bass player telling me this. And I got, I think, one guitar player telling us. So it's like, okay, you know, the old put your finger around the knob, but don't actually touch it. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, 
make the make the ghost changes. Uh, yeah, I got the ghost knobs on the board, anyways. I mean, if there's space for, oh, it sounds like with band that big, you might not have had that luxury, but no, you had to you had to do the fake fade, the fake. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, yeah. Go, go to an unused ox or something like that. I, I would I would tell you, I'll tell you after a band that would do that, a very large band, a famous band that we both mm -hmm. worked for and know. And that would, uh, you know, the horn section would roll over, yeah. Shine, shine. the organ guy's going to try to blast us off stage, fuck him. <laughs> like, yeah, and it would be like, is there any money in this for me, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> you want, this isn't a free thing. B.B. Um, King. Good memories with BB. BB was a sweet man. Yeah, God, I did a bunch of shows with BB over the years. Um, you know, honestly, and, and I got to interact with him directly. Sure. He was always a really nice guy. Such a pro. Yeah, it's such a pro. Um, him and Lucille, they come up on stage and do their thing. Yeah, yeah. actually, the last couple of shows, he was not in really great shape. He was in a stool or well, in a wheelchair. Chair. Oh, and, wow. And, and he would actually roll the wheelchair like through the through the tour bus to the steps and of course the wheelchair won't navigate the steps nope. coming down you know out of the bus well, that's so right. we all had to get around in front of bb and guys behind him and literally low him lower him in his chair down onto the ground and then uh and then wheel him to the stage and he would make his way up the stairs and make his way you know, on his own feet, not the wheelchair. Under his own steam. Yeah, under sure. his own steam, yeah. Sure. To the chair, and he would plop down in that chair in front of those pair of Fender twins, and he would just stay there the... And just murder it. Just, yeah, it I, was... Uh, I saw a late show with him, and he was on, he was in a chair chair, and he he was able to get there by himself. We did a thing with him, and just action racks, you know, it was local support, regional thing. And I was taken by the, from the first time that I'd worked with him, you know, 25 years earlier, how he still had the chops. Yeah. I mean, the man could play. Yeah. You know, some people stay too late to the party, uh, yeah. but he just wasn't, he just, he just still, it just oozed out of him. He was just such a natural and such a sweet man. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. We're lucky to have been able to work with a, a giant like that. Oh, absolutely. You know? That's yeah. still one of my favorite shows I ever did. Yeah. Well, I didn't get to work. I, get, I got to go to Randall's Island, New York, and see a little Stevens Garage Rock Festival. Oh, sure. And he, Bo Diddley came out, started playing, Good pulled out his little pillbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That whole experience was such a trip for me. Bo Diddley was amazing. Amazing, Fun amazing. Fun to work with yeah, live also. Mm, yeah. Good guitars. Instead of a pedal board, he had it built into his guitar. That's right. God, there was more effects built into that guitar. Holy cow! It, that was his whole thing. You yeah, know? I think Jack White kind of takes a page from him, you know, mm -hmm. and just being able to turn out these incredible uh, instruments from the weirdest shit to get these effects. And yeah, and Bo Diddley was very special. Yeah, uh, I know you worked with Penn and Teller. Now, yeah, in our business. If you know anything about doing uh, uh, shows with somebody like Penn and Teller, it's not the it's 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 Sure, you're, you're doing talking heads, you mic them up, but Penn and Teller come with some special rules. Mm -hmm. What did you experience with Penn and Teller? Um, well, Penn, you know, uh, wears glasses, you know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. So trying to do, you know, mic him up in a way that uh, was discreet, uh, you know, and, uh, and effective, uh, they actually had their own way of doing it, and they just basically told me what to do. And what it was was actually running a pair of lavaliers, you know, two belt packs, the two lavaliers, 
actually up his shirt through over here and then along the, uh, the, the frame of his glasses and actually taping the, the elements like right here. Wow. Yeah, and that's how you mic him up. Pretty clever. Yeah, and it, it works. Now, tell her he doesn't speak. I'm yeah. aware of that. Yes. He actually does, but yeah, not... Not during the show. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and not, not out in public. But, yeah. But I've actually had a chat with him before. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, they, they. I know that uh, I only interacted with them the one time, and they were uh, there were certain times during the build where you had to just... Dis they, they disappeared you, get the fuck out. Yeah. Because they were breaking out their tricks and putting their, their, their little gizmos and gadgets in place, and... Uh, I found it to be absolutely fascinating, and I liked that even by the end of the night, I still had no idea how they pulled off half the shit they did. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, they're fascinating guys. I mean, right. And, and extraordinarily whip-smart intelligent. Yes, they are. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a departure from the normal uh, comedians, or which they, there's an element of their show is comedy. It is. But it's, it's also magic, and it's right. also think. There's right. a lot of think stuff going on there, you know. Flo and Eddie were like that, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's the best experience. Uh, Faith Hill, mixing with Buford Jones, the one and only Pink Floyd's Buford Jones. Yes. What was that like? Uh, Buford's an amazing and interesting individual. Yeah. Um, he, <laughs> uh, he and I hung out a couple of times, and... Um, he had he, some interesting ideas, though, about how to do the, the, the shows. Yeah, with Faith and this Hill. was at the time with with Faith, anyway. Yeah, right. Was when he was uh, actually um, he wasn't actually mixing in the building or in the venue at all, no. which was, you know, and I didn't know this uh, coming into it. You know, I mean, I'm coming in, we're providing a system, and you know, doing all that, and um, so I'm basically being told basically to take the snake and find a way out of the building out to the back al alley. I'm and you're like, what? Going, what? Why am I doing that? What the hell? You know, so because I've got a pair of graphic equalizers sitting at front of house like they're supposed to be as right. per their request. And um, so what he had was a, um, in, in, in the semi where they hauled all the band gear and, you know, risers and set pieces and all that stuff. He had up on the dance floor the equivalent of a recording studio set up in there. And so what he had done was actually taken a bunch of load bars at, at the end of the uh, the dance floor and had all these carpeted pieces of plywood somehow attached to all that stuff. And then on a uh, on a stand, ratchet strapped to the front wall of the of the trailer was this ATI Paragon. Oh shit. Yeah, as which is, you know, phenomenal analog board, right? Oh, at the time that was a he, shit. Oh yeah, and he had a pair of Genelex sitting right there and he had some subwoofer down here underneath so the thing. So he's all up in the nose of this semi, you're yeah. saying, in a 53. Wow. Yeah. I'm trying to and imagine. They had a little, little TV yeah. sitting there, just a little portable little TV on the meter him. bridge there. Yeah, yeah. And then he had two racks, you know, just loaded with, you know, all kinds of great, you know. Of course. It's Beaver Jones, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, all the best stuff. Ratchet strapped again, <laughs> one to each wall. <laughs> just imagine. And I'm looking at this setup, and I'm like, what are you going to do here? So he explained to me, and I was like, Wow, really? You're going to mix from out here. That's so right. basically what we did is he had a kind of an, uh, an EQ curve that he uh, had in his little control room world there. Sure. And so what I had to do was basically shoot the mains in the, in the theater where we are right. and try and make those mains, 
you know, replicate the response of his little control room. Sure that he imagined that was the best. Way. Yeah, I, you know, it was not uncommon. I've interviewed. I, I never got to work with Buford. It was before my time. Uh, but I've interviewed other folks and have friends that have, and it was not uncommon for him to split up the duties. Yeah, it, he was big on that. He he'd have a thing where you work the right side, I work the left side of the board. You can't come into my side, but I can come into yours. Well, with you the know? Pink Floyd thing, yeah, he actually split it up three ways. That's right. They had one console, the one on the left actually, and this is back I think at Division Bell possibly, and when they did that that big concert on those floating barges out yes. in uh, the harbor at Venice. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, that was an amazing story. Oh, shit, that is When he was nuts. telling me about that. Yeah, totally um, crazy. He played me, by the way, some board tapes, just, you know, off his left and right main mix bus. Yeah. Some Eric Clapton, some Pink Floyd, and God, somebody else, I can't remember. His board tapes oh, I can only imagine. were amazing. They sounded easily as good as an album, if maybe not even better. Probably they, more exciting. Yeah, more, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so with the Pink Floyd thing, he had one, like it was a 50-some chan channel console analog over here, and that was all the percussion, because that's how many channels of that stuff they had. Yeah. Then he was on another board, and I, I think they might have been using AMEC recalls, at least for this one. And um, that's where he had the whole band and, and the vocals. And then there was another one off to the side over here, manned by another guy, separate engineer, and that's where all the effects can you imagine the Since friggin' real estate involved? <laughs> You'd never be allowed that, dude. No, no way. Those big analog boards <laughs> like, like that. You know? Excuse me. That's like, you know, 20. Well, we, we'd be occupying a footprint like what we've got here. Um, uh, well, yeah, right? I mean, that's 20 seats you can't sell, at least extra. Right. You know, and that's what promoters today really dig digital for that and other reasons. Yeah. Um, Charlie Danos, we just lost him. Yeah. You know, that's a thing at our age. We are the people we've worked with, some family members, our friends, this hideous situation we're going through with, for, you know, people kind of pulling the pin. But Charlie Danos, what a sweet, I mean, the guy was, was so pure. Yeah. He would come out and just put on a show. What was your experience with Charlie? Um, good. I, I worked with him a number of times from the mid-90s up until just a year ago actually and um you know it was always it was always good you know his band was good yeah he was always uh solid uh nice guy uh don't heckle him you know no, uh, not gonna work out well no there yeah. was one show uh, we were doing and somebody in the audience yelled something that rubbed him the wrong way and he just stopped the show right there and it's like he basically told whoever that was in the audience, it's like, you know, if I wasn't up here right now, I'd come down off this stage and whip your ass. And he could do it. He would. He, yeah. was, a, he, was, a, he was a substantial guy, and he had a certain... You just actually could look at Charlie and know that that was part of his game. Now, right. he wasn't offered that up on his sleeve, but you could tell. Yeah. Don't fuck with Charlie, because... And Charlie's here to have a good time, but, you know, you, that switch could flip pretty quick, and he'd, did. Be, he'd be out in the crowd and put a speed knot on somebody's head real fast. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know what, Charlie fucking Daniels deserved to have that right to be respected. Right. And, I mean, as much good and as, as many smiles as he put on people's faces through the years, you know, it, it just, come on. Oh, so, yeah. Um, alcohol and, and uh, fans sometimes don't always go so good together. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I came up in the punk rock days, but just before that, before I was able to make choices for myself in my house, late 70s, early, middle 70s. Mom was rocking the Casey and the Sunshine Band and uh, all, that, all that disco stuff. And so, and the, and the bass player in me and the, the, the guy who loves sound, uh, I, have to, I have to admit, I was down with the Sunshine Band. 
Yeah. And you got to work with Casey. Yeah. I did one show with him at uh, Santa Cruz Boardwalk, and it, and it was it was it wasn't exactly what I remember, but but still an extraordinarily talented guy. How was your experience with Casey in the Sunshine? Um, it was actually it was good. Uh, again, it was not another one of those artists that I had the opportunity to work with a bunch of times over the last say twenty plus years. Yeah, and um, you know I'm, I watched him go through various phases incarnations yeah incarnations sure not of the band so much just him yeah kind of you know as he grew uh, as a person and um i would say probably one of the most memorable shows though is we were down in mexico actually in in los cabos mm -hmm. and it was a corporate thing uh we were down there for a week and um i had a really unique situation to deal with there um the other audio tech, the guy who was supposed to be doing monitors, and the backline tech, well, I should say, was supposed to be doing backline. Both these guys lied to get into those positions. Uh-oh. And the, the owner of the company didn't verify their, their resumes or anything. And, I mean, these guys literally didn't have a clue oh, about pretty much anything, okay? And you're in Mexico. And here and I am in Mexico. Two knuckleheads that have and, no clue how to do their work. Yeah, and, and oh, you know, boy. and it's like, I was supplying the, the rig, which is an interesting story too, by the way. You can't truck your own rig into Mexico. No, no, you gotta trade off trailer, uh, the tractor, right? And then no, they, well, you trade tractors. Yeah, yeah. You load, you yeah. load the trailer, you take it to the border. That's right. And then you pay a $10,000 special insurance charge mm -hmm to not get your gear ripped off. It's called extortion. But, yeah, yeah, I know, we had to pay it, yeah. so uh -huh. we had to tack on 10,000 bucks to the to the bill. That's right. Um, and then <laughs> then the rig goes down there, so and then you meet it down there later. That's right. And I could tell it had been gotten into because, of course. you know, there was uh, rack cases that basically had been opened, and God knows what they had done with the stuff in there, but the cabling that was in there, they didn't pack back into the rack when they put the rack lids back on it and rammed uh, those latches shut. Bummer. So I had a bunch of cables that were all cut and mm. everything. And then, um, and then of course we're dealing with, I'm dealing with, you know, this guy who can't patch anything. The monitor guy literally had no clue. Oh, and he man. was claiming he was the, the uh, audio engineer for Van Halen and Great White and all these <laughs> different acts. And he couldn't put together a PA on a stick. Okay. You know, if he had to. Wow. Uh, the backline guy was just as bad. And, 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 of course, down there, as soon as things start getting bad, the crew speaks less and less English, you know, as <laughs> things are getting tougher. And so I'm dealing with, you know, that on top of that. Thank God the Casey's front of house guy, who was actually, I think, a guy from Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Sure. I, I forget his name. Nice guy. And he was so patient. He could see what I was up against. And he goes, man, just... Do what you got to do, you yeah, know, and right. we'll, we'll make this work. That's the name of the game. That's really what we're getting paid for is those yeah. weird-ass moments, you know, especially in international travel, especially South American, Central American traveling. Oh, yeah. Um, it can, you know, the power situations are always funky. I don't have to tell you. Yeah. It can get sketchy. The different, they have so many different layers of police, national police, federal mm -hmm. police, judicial police, and the different checkpoint, you, you know, you oh, know. Yeah. And then... Going border to border. Yeah. Oh my God. But still fun. There's yeah. there's something really was, exciting about it. I mean, it was an adventure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was that was you know, kind of a busy day. I mean, it's yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm setting up and 
doing all the back line. I'm going through wiring the whole stage. I'm doing the monitors, ringing the monitors out, and then I'm going up to front of house and dealing with all that. And but see, that's what that's why I, I love you. We had the you. There's not much that you can't get your head around. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were having a problem with a uh, rental we did. I don't know last year, year before. To, that we allowed stupidly to go to, um, Burning, to Burning Man, Man. Yes. And, and and it came back with Playa and everything, which is what happens with Burning Man gear, and we Absolutely. know better, but it was a dear friend of ours doing what seemed like an important thing. So we spent hours and hours trying to get this gear restored, and we came back to the distro, you know, this big, powerful, monster distro. I remember. <laughs> it was like, we were all just threw our hands over, like, this thing just dead. You got in it and worked on that sucker, wickety split, you know. Yeah. And, and these are very intricate systems that, uh, you know, they're not for the, the faint of heart. If it's not yeah. something you're thoroughly comfortable with, you should not be in a distro, not one of my distros. Right. And you put you licked that thing and kicked its ass and put it right back in service and nothing flat. And and that's how I've always known you and understood you as a, you know, challenges, Pasha, you're going to get in that mix and you're going to do it. So when I hear the Casey uh, story, that's just not surprising at all. You, oh, yeah. That's, that's how we know you is you're just the guy that gets it done. Right. You know, and, and hats off to you for that. Leonard Skinner, I know you did spend some time with him. How was that? Um, loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard that review from about Leonard before. <laughs> Leonard, well, okay. Leonard likes it loud. Yeah. So, so put, the, uh, put the gas on him. The first times like, I worked with them, was, it was in the 90s. Yes, sir. And, um, you know, of course, it was, you know, big, loud guitar amps. And in order to make... The organ compete with the with the guitar amps. Uh, they had to actually gut the Leslie cabinets because those uh, those tube amps that are in those you know those Leslies. Yeah, I, my one of my favorite things. Oh, I love beautiful. the Leslie speakers. Yeah, I do too. But they don't get loud enough to compete with that. No. So they actually had pulled those units out and actually put Crown DC 300s <laughs> <laughs> in the Leslie cabinets yes. to power the Leslie oh, cabinets. Shit. And then they had to uh, change the uh, the drivers out because, you you know, you would explode oh, yeah. the drivers They'd that, that come that stock in those things. So they actually yeah. had two-inch throat uh, compression drivers in there underneath that spinning horn. Wow. Yeah, to be able to get that kind of volume, you know. Yeah. So, and then the 15 was changed out. They just hot-rotted the shit out of those cabinets. Yeah. Wow. Oh, totally, yeah. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah, and then, of course, to get the grand piano, yeah. you know, to be able to compete with all that, too, was, uh, I can't remember the miking scheme, because it's miked, oh, you know. Yeah. have to be. But, but it, then you take, uh, you know, the foam weather stripping that has adhesive on of it? Of course I do. Okay, so while the lid is open, you take the foam adhesive, and you line the entire... You know, lip, lip of the sure. entire, you know, the case, yeah, the, the piano case, yeah. Before yeah. you close the lid down on it, because you have to seal this thing up <laughs> to, to get to keep it from getting picking up everything around yeah, it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. It was ear splitting up there. Yeah, no, uh, the southern rock bands bring it hard, and that is just not even a little surprising. I've only seen them live; I haven't worked with them, and 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 I do remember them being they were peeling faces, and that's just part of their show, and it's. Just, how they roll. Right. You mentioned earlier, and of course I know this about you, I know most of this about you, um, the relationship with the Pointer Sisters. I mean, this is a national treasure. This band yeah. is, you know, come on, 30-something years, Probably maybe 50. 40. Is it 50? Yeah. They've been just killing it, bringing the love, bringing the dance, bringing the yeah. songs. And I know you're close with Ruth. Uh, talk to us about your relationship with the Pointer Sisters. Well, actually, it starts back a long time ago, actually 20-plus years ago, my first time encountering them, and uh, 
Ted Turner had actually uh, had commissioned or somehow a brand new satellite, you know, broadcast system. Oh, I, I remember this. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and a brand new uh, truck, you know, mm -hmm. the whole thing. So in order to uh, unveil and celebrate and put this thing out there, you know, they decided to have a big uh, concert corporate event, and it was at, down in Anaheim. And um, the pointers were brought in to, you know, be the entertainer. And there was a whole list of guests, you know, like Joe Namath was oh, yeah. there. This is when, you know, Broadway Joe is, you know, that's right. still a big, big deal. That's right. And, um, yeah, so uh, I was actually, uh, I wasn't mixing on that. I was just teching on that one. And so, you know, I had to set up the whole, you know, bring in the audio for the whole thing. And then, and then interface all of what we had brought in to do the live show with the broadcast truck out in the parking lot on top of that handful yeah pretty much yeah and so you developed a relationship with these people yeah and, and they they got to see why winston dama well, should be their guy i mean we crossed paths a couple more times and then i left this part of the industry for a while and i uh, took a job over at a casino doing all their production management and audio engineering and technical direction and all that stuff mm -hmm. and um brought the pointer sisters as the entertainers there a couple mm -hmm. of times and they weren't carrying a front of house guy uh and so I, I i was the production manager for that and then i was also the front of house engineer for it and uh those were good experiences and then when i left there i found out they were going to be doing a, a fair over on the coast that i was actually going to be doing also and so i called them up and you know let them, hey man it's like hey we're going to be working again it's like really looking forward to this and no, uh, is there anything in particular I need to know outside of what, you know, was on the paperwork to make this show happen? Yeah. And uh, it seemed like it was pretty cut and dry. When we got over there, the sound company hadn't prepped the gear properly or completely. So uh -huh. we had a, they use uh, wireless mics and wireless in-ear monitors. Sure, of and so I had a, like, in-ear monitor system with, no antenna. Uh, <laughs> and then I had wireless mics with the wrong frequency. Oh, that's great. <laughs> antennas. And um, yeah, and um, anyway, the, the tour manager was not happy. Um, oh, I would think. With what, you know, and, so, and we're on a place where there's it, not a lot of technology available. So I pulled a few rabbits out of hats and we, we did a few things and eventually got everything to work so we could get through the show. And then I had to run out, you know, and uh, and then do the sound check and then do the show. And um, I had been told basically to keep the girls' mics muted for, um, and I don't remember why through the sound check. And then they came out, and I guess they assumed that I would know to unmute the mics during the sound check. Well, I didn't, because I told, as far as I know, I wasn't supposed to. So I never got to sound check the Pointer Sisters wow. before the show at all. Rough. You know. And so then we went and started the show, dialed them up, and the uh, it was a good show. I mean, it, it it felt really good, and the and the tour manager actually was watching from the stage uh, that the audience was really reacting, you know, really well to the show. Yeah. And apparently, I guess he snuck off stage and actually went out and listened to it, you know, and he was pretty happy with it. Yeah. Is what he tells me anyway. I'm um, sure he was because he picked you up. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because you became an actual contract employee with them. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they, they, it was a few months later 
they had a, a small tour of Central California doing a bunch of theaters mm. and stuff, kind of around the Bay Area, the North Bay, and you know, some other places, and called me up and wanted to know if I wanted to do it. So, yeah, sure, cool. Yeah. You know, the next thing I know, I got some paperwork sent to me from management, a pointers management, and they decided to make me uh, an employee. Yeah, it's kind of perfect. Yeah. It's well, been, they been know when they got something good, you know. And, you know, in a situation like that, it's, it was a lucky kind of coming together with an incredibly professional act that had a, a lot of experience. And then a tech that similarly a lot of experience right. and can be in a unique situation like that and pull it off without yeah. a hitch and the, the audience is still feeling yeah. it. And that's, uh, that's, you know, what we're paid for. Right. And I think that's why you, reaching out to the old pros once in a while is uh, probably yeah. a good bet, you know. And, and I like, honestly, they're, they're great people to work for. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and I'm not saying that, you know, because, I mean, you hear other engineers say that and you go, yeah, you're just kissing their ass. But Well, you know, I know you actually, we've had many talks yeah. over the years. I know you actually really enjoy these people. They're good people. Ruth yeah. Pointer is a, a legend in her own right. This, this is an amazing family. And I, I know when you say that, and I know you to not really be a kiss ass or right. uh, you're not really, that's not how you roll. So when I, when you say that, I trust us that Winston means that these are good people. Yeah, the he band are the really great, great people. Band. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're yeah. good people just to hang with, you exactly. know? Exactly. And not to mention they're great musicians. I mean, yeah. they're kind of like the who's who of, you know, session players that's and they've right. played with everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, working with ZZ Top, talk about that. You know, that's a very special act. Um, a, a lot of fun. I, I'm one of my favorite people on the planet's Billy. Bill Gibbons, you know, uh, we and him have mm -hmm. a little ongoing thing with each other about busting each other's balls about beard length. And <laughs> I got a story about that. I owe him five bucks right now. <laughs> I'm not go into it. You'll get your money, Billy. Take it easy. Uh, I want to get a strong call from him. But, uh, but did, you, did you enjoy your time working with the business? Yeah, the top? I, I did. Incredibly um, great, yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, they don't seem like they hang with each other much outside off the stage you know which is a little different dusty and well let's on i understand what you're saying yeah this is a band now think about this 50 solid years with no lineup changes right okay who, who what come on stop it and we know that uh, there's been some stuff along the way particularly with their drummer uh, yeah. and and they've they're survivors right and they're great and the, they talk about a catalog I yeah. mean, right? I mean, the, the, they can play in a two-hour set, and you know every song. I know. Even if you're not particularly a ZZ Top, you know, diehard fan. You know, we're all fans. We all love a ZZ yeah. Top song or something. But there's so many of them out there that you forget that ZZ Top, that's their song. I know. It's, it's, it's fucking phenomenal. Working with Credence is the same way. Credence? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like every song. Yeah, yeah, last year he flew off with one of our, or made it to New York with one of our belt packs. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, but Janet did that too. So, you know, sometimes you got to capture your artist before it rolls out, you know, to get your stuff. Yeah. That's on That's on us. That's not their bad. That's yeah. our bad. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's just part of the fun. And last but not least, because we're just running out of time, uh, working with Chicago. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a band goes, just an incredible Legendary. Band, right? I mean, I'm a sucker for horns. I'm yeah. a hard rock guy. Most people get that. No, I, but there's certain things like Leslie, you know, Hammond B3, a piano. Right. And horns, you know, so the Tower of Power. Tower of Power. They got me yeah. every time. Great. You know, it just, Chicago, what was that like? Um, they were actually um, really good. Um, the only thing that I do recall that kind of, um, I was kind of, 
put off a little bit by the, the whole thing working with them was the guitar volume. Um, hmm. Well, Terry Kath, the original player, of course, you know, yeah. was died, so, you know. Uh -huh. And he was a great guitar player and whatnot. Absolutely. The guy they've got with them is good also, but he, uh, at least the, the few times that I got to work with him, like, say, in a casino environment and some other ones, was so loud he actually had to put his guitar rig off stage, and that guitar rig was just blistering. I mean, just... Baffle of shame. You bring out the baffle of yeah. shame. <laughs> you baffle him up, <laughs> spin him around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's that's a but thing. You know what, These young cats, man, they yeah, don't have they, any they, respect for stage so value. So many great songs, yeah. um, such great players. Yeah, right. I mean, that's when you see Yes or Chicago, mm -hmm. that's the one place they can't fall down really and Steely's that way as well yeah you know you know they're gonna have some badass even when Walter was starting and Steely was starting to not be able to keep up they brought in a guy to sit kind of behind his right. behind and keep his parts full and uh and that's always a treat you I know? brought Steely down into the casino actually oh I believe it yeah. well I know that's the thing with casinos it's you know they get the off nights and and you guys can really put in some great acts in those, those yeah. places. And I think it's kind of goes kind of unmeasured or un, un, it's not commonly understood that there's all these different lanes in corporate, all these different ways that we push bands out there. Right. And casinos is one of the almost tried and true places you can do a, a Wednesday, a Tuesday, a Thursday mm -hmm. and put asses in seats and, you know, work on your game. Yeah, we typically would shows. aim for uh, Tuesday nights. You know, or something, which was sort of a slow night for that casino, actually. And yeah. I got to clarify. So when I say I, I mean it's, it's a it's a group of people. I, mean, I understand. I and and you know some I of understand. the people in the marketing department. We so understand. Let me clarify that. Yeah. No. No. We understand. Yeah. Hey, listen. As you know, it's been uh, you know it's been a crazy time. There's all this wacky stuff going on in the world with the bug and. We got some uh, some weird shenanigans in the, the political world. We we stay away from these subjects, but it does affect us in ways that we're enduring right now, uh, as it relates to uh, our work and our ability to work. Um, you know, you've been doing this for a minute. Do you have any idea, any thoughts on where the we're going, where the what the future holds for live entertainment workers? Boy, yeah, we've been looking at that, haven't we? Um, I think me personally, you know, um, and I've talked about with a number of people, you know, in our industry, I think we're going to be uh, kind of in a state of, of transition, you know, for a while. I think, you know, some of what we're working on here with the virtual concert yes, sir. concept is, is something that's going to be up and coming. Um, the live scenario... Uh, I don't think, know that we're going to be able to do anything live in the way that we're used to doing things for a while. You know, can we put 20,000 people in an arena, you know, crammed in there? No, not right now. It's going to be a minute, huh? Not for a while, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, because we've, you know, we've all been watching how these big assemblies are, are playing out, whether it's a, a rally or a, a demonstration or, sure. you know, wherever people are getting together in, in mass. And um, it seems wherever that's happened, there's been a, a pretty good, well, take Sturgis, you know, so there was a huge spike in um, infection rates. Uh -huh. I mean, there, locally, but all the people that attended took that with them, 
you know. Well, I think some brought it in yeah, and, and sure then shared it. Yeah. And it was a, <clears throat> listen, you know, Woody uh, there at Sturgis at the Buffalo Chip was no way going to leave his backyard empty. The guy's got 10 days a month, a year to make his money. And, you know, Smash Mouth, our friends from yeah. Smash Mouth went out and did a fly date with him and a few others. And uh, I guess it was a roll of the dice thing. And I, I was actually, frankly, surprised, in my opinion of it, I was surprised that more weren't affected by because, again, his backyard's large and it was full. Yeah. And um, I was getting reports from our friends on the scene at the time that were doing the work and photographs and the whole nine. And they were, they were actually making a concerted effort, at least for the crew and the band. I don't know what they could have done for the audience, but the crew and the band, they were disinfecting the stage. They were, they were making efforts. These were fly dates, there was, were not buses. Right. You know, they, they, they flew everybody in, they tried to, to make it work as best they could. And still there was some, um, obviously some reported cases and some, and some situations. Right. It's just a part of our life right now. And until this gets wrapped up, in my opinion, it's, it's going to be. And we're going to find uh, special and interesting ways to, uh, to work around it. Mm -hmm. And uh, this, this show is proof of concept of that. Um, the thing that we had in here today when, like I said, the set was struck and we, right. we brought in a whole band and, you know, we were doing camera positions and, and things like that for a future thing we're doing here. And I guess that's the best we can do for right now. But Lord knows uh, if, if the, the green light went out, you know, came on tomorrow, um, I'd push the biggest rock show I could out of here. And we'd, we'd be back in the mix if it meant that people were, could do it safely. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, if we can do it safely, yeah. I think it's going to be trial and error. Yes. You know, till, till we get to that point. I think you're right. I think you're right. The thing we're, even the thing we're talking about doing in here, we've got a, a company that sent, comes in and sanitizes the whole building and everything, sanitizes right. the equipment as it comes in. Uh, we push certifications up on our, our walls out here to show that, you know, there's certain procedures. So um, there's ways, but, right. but it will be tricky. Now listen, you know, I, I take great joy in interacting with you in the times that we get to spend together. You've been in quite a bit doing training and, uh, and um, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you coming on our show. You're a special guy with incredible talent and skill and, and experience. And we got mad love for you, Winston. Thank you for coming Thank in. Thank you. Today. Appreciate it. Yes, yeah, sir. It Happy a, to be here. Uh, it was a pleasure, sir. Yeah. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Listen, we, we can't do this alone. We've got our friends out there, the audience that... That, you know, uh, you, you guys, we appreciate it. If you like what we do, we subscribe to the channels where you find us. We're on Facebook Live, Twitch, uh, YouTube. We've got our podcast. Thanks to my good, good friend, Kyle Thomas. You're a badass, Kyle Thomas. Love uh, you, You know, you're a man. Uh, with, uh, what is it, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, iTunes, Google. Did I miss anybody? Amazon? Apple. Apple. That's iTunes, I think. Oh, no, not a fan. But, but um, yeah, so where you can find us all over in all these different places. Um, remember to check out EAW Users Group. Oh, Doug Denny says hi to you, Winston. Doug yeah. is a monster bass player. Yeah, he's a badass. You were telling me. Yeah, he is. He's kind of an amalgam of all these, you know, uh, yeah, he, Jack he, of the story. And it was like, yeah, there's yeah, some Jocko in yeah, there. There's probably some... Billy Sheehan in there. Oh, and Jesus just, Christ. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Sounds he's, like he's, sounds Gabriel he's just a Eller. fun guy to be with, you know? Gabriel yeah. Eller great says, player. hey, Winston. Who else oh, has checked hey, in with Gabe, us? Gabe Eller, yeah. He's a really nice sound guy, good guy, too. Scott Cheney. Yep. That looks like our good friend Clint checked in from Crew Music uh, Asia. Scott hey, Chadwick. Clint. But, you know, yeah, with, uh, he's a, actually a guy that does a lot of backline. Yeah. With one of the companies that I work for, yeah. Hey, Scott, thanks for tuning in, buddy. Yeah. 
And Pat, Pat O'Doul, your brother, we sure appreciate you. And of course, the one and only Charlie Zaricki, a dear, dear friend. We hope everything's going good for you, Charlie. We're uh, getting a bunch of merch in right now. And uh, we'll send out some love to you, our good friends of the show. And it looks like, uh, is that Chris K checked in too? Uh, yeah, yeah. Chris K. Chris, Chris, Chris Nouse. Yeah, yeah. We appreciate it. Thanks for uh, your, your guys' uh, you know, sending us comments. We appreciate it. It's super cool. Pat, you have a good night, Patrick. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I want to send a little love over there to Mike Brown for doing all that he does. Mike Brown is our... Uh, uh, executive producer or co-executive producer or director and all around badass behind the, the gear and the switches and uh, thank you Mike for what you do and of course my good good friend Kyle Thomas for being you and all the hard work you put in brother thank you so much I appreciate and it. of course the good people at Sound Image Productions my employer uh, my big brother George Edwards uh, our general manager and the one and only badass and mentor to us all Dave Shadone thank you Dave for allowing us the space. Uh, we get a lot of support from the good people at um, Large Screen Video. Uh, large Screen Video, if you, if you need it big, you wanna, you wanna go large, you need video services, call Large Screen Video. I cannot say that enough. Cameron Brown and the boys over there work their asses off to bring the best products to you. And we still miss you, John Rigney. And of course, the good people at slowfiber.com to provide our mask and do uh, uh, sewing stuff, fabrics, notions. They make it so our guys can work safely, feel safe at different shops so we can uh, keep ourselves uh, going and busy. Next week we've got, I mean, I, I'm just lucky. It's, it's that simple. I just know some fun people. And next week's guest is, is, is like Winston level crazy badass. It, this is this is uh, the one and only Scotty Ross. Now, just so you know who Scotty Ross is. If you don't, I'm surprised. Scotty Ross is Van Halen's guy for 12 years. He just had a recent loss, as we all know, and it affected Scotty a great deal. Um, uh, a long time being their tour manager. Uh, the Who, Dio, Journey. If it's a big-ass band and you needed to get it done right, you called Scotty Ross. We're doing this big event that we talk about here, with the, which is going to be a sizable event for crews and, and um, emotional support to, to our, our brothers and sisters, um, called Big Love, The Big Love Project. Scotty Ross is the PM in that for us. Because, again, when you, something's important, you need it done, you call Scotty fucking Ross. And it looks like Dennis, now, Dennis, I'm just going to, uh, Riven, help me with that. He's a great cat. He's on our pages a lot. He's, he's funny, and he's got, like... Revenera. Yes. Dennis. I butchered it. Thanks. I'm sorry. Yeah, I Dennis, love you. Your name is too good for <laughs> us, and we, we knew we were going to have trouble with that, brother. Thank you for checking in with us. We appreciate all you guys. We do it for you. We're going to have Scotty Ross next week, Thursday, 7 p.m. I really suggest you tune in. It's going to be an interesting show. He's a great man. It's a great show. We got mad love for you guys. Remember, all we can say is... Be good to yourselves and to each other. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Good night.